Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Elk Shape Podcast. I'm Dan Staten. This is your blue collar, do-it-yourself, self-guided, public land, elk hunting learning curve resource where we leverage hunting to create more personal development. Our goal is to educate and encourage our listeners to become the best possible version of themselves through hard work, delayed gratification, and being accountable to themselves. And welcome to the Oak Shape Podcast. How are you guys doing? Can you believe it's almost August, uh, if not August 2020, and... It's go time. It's crunch time. So, so much going on. It's a little bit overwhelming, to be honest with you guys. But uh, nonetheless, thanks for tuning in. You have a lot of choices on podcasts. I recognize that. We recognize that. So thank you. And let's make it worth your while. Today we are bringing on Hunt the Top. Uh, Hunt the Top is a group of dedicated public and elk hunters. These guys have been filming hunts for years. They're based out of North Idaho, specifically Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. These guys are all blue collar. They're all public land guys, you know, linemen, just blue collar jobs, and they've been filming some pretty cool, pretty epic stuff. Their Instagram is Hunt the Top, so you're going to want to check them out. Their content is gold. They have a lot of really cool elk hunting specific footage, and we're going to talk to one of the band members, if you will, Matt Kane. and you know, Matt is a cool dude, and I've heard his name for years. His dad and my dad were actually, you know, they worked together at a utility company and I'd always hear about Jim Kane and Matt Kane, father son duo, they're always killing elk, blah blah blah. And I never really figured out that Matt was Jim's son until we or after we recorded this podcast that you're about to hear. So it's kind of a small world, but uh, I wish I'd known that ahead of time because I kind of put two and two together. But Matt's a great dude, solid man of faith, family man, blue collar, hardworking, public land dude, and the whole squad. We're going to get them on a podcast down the road. But for tonight, we're going to get Matt Kane and we're going to talk about a couple things. Number one, we're going to talk about pack goats, not llamas, 
not horses. We're going to talk about pack goats. And it's kind of along the lines of delayed gratification, which is what this podcast is all about. Uh, if you buy brand new pack goats, you can't use them for three or four years. So you really got to train them. And we get into the nuances. And there's a lot of cool information behind pack goats. I think they're the wave of the future for backcountry hunters. And uh, Matt's got some good reps and he dropped some knowledge bombs there. We're going to talk about hunting partners a little bit, what it takes to hunt as a team. And then uh, a little bit about North Idaho, which is dear and near to my heart. So um, I'm pretty excited about this podcast. Let's pay a few bills, as they say. I want you guys to know right now, as I'm recording this, I am wearing some brand new Vortex apparel. And uh, I don't know, like Vortex makes great optics. That's what I use. But uh, they really wanted me to push their apparel line. And I was like, okay, guys. But then I finally got some and I'm like, okay, this is legit. I'm going to actually, they have shorts that I'm wearing to work out in. They have actual hoodies that I'm going to wear while hunting. It's super lightweight material. They've uh, stepped up the game in the apparel department, and I want you to check out their website and look for yourself. And if you see something you like, use the discount code ELKSHAPE20 and save 20% off your apparel. Uh, Vortex, good job stepping your game up. I appreciate that. And thanks for sponsoring the Elk Shape Camps 2020. We did a total of six camps. We gave away uh, a couple of rangefinders at almost every camp and a lot we even gave away one on youtube we gave away one on instagram they just supplied me with stuff to give away which is huge so thank you vortex optics same with kinetrek they gave away a couple pair of boots one for instagram they outfitted my uh, team that helps make my youtube channel and uh, if you haven't been to our youtube channel that's a plug for that check it out so that's pretty legit and then uh base map i have made the switch i invite you to try it out you get all 50 states for 29.99 for kafaru i'm running a couple of different packs i don't know which one i'm going to use uh as far as elk hunting season i think it's going to depend on the style of elk hunting i've set up one pack the striker for kind of more of the shorter hunts but i can also fit my spike camp bag in it so you need to check that out you spike camp elk hunters and then i'm going to use the cutthroat for more of like my bivy style elk hunting there's just a lot of good offerings so people ask me hey you've ran exo in the past you're using kafaru which is better here's what i would answer is i'm digging kafaru's ability to customize you can everything's modular and so you can kind of add and subtract and make the pack suit your hunt and i'm really digging that so shout out to them uh we just got back from matthews inc if you will we got back from hq we got a full tour that's on our youtube channel so check that out and i'm pretty stoked to be running the vxr 28 as my starter but uh the 31 and a half is a shooter I'm not sure, man. It's uh, it's going to be a toss-up between the two, but hopefully you got your broadheads dialed and your fill points and fixed broadheads are hitting at the same spot. Uh, I'm using the Grim Reaper Micro Hades 3-blade. That's what flies the best. I have it back of the air with the AAE veins. Yes, we have elk-shaped custom veins. Those are on the store, locked and loaded if you want to check those out. Phelps really helped with the uh, elk-shaped camps. We got to give every camper a pink or red. That's the Maverick diaphragm read. Give them a bugle tube, and I can't wait to see everyone's success. We're giving away the Matthews VXR to one of the lucky elk-shaped campers. So out of about 100 people, pretty good odds, someone's going to win a brand-new VXR. And someone's also going to win the Baku e-bike that we're giving away to all one lucky elk-shaped camper. And I hope to do awesome stuff like that in 2021. Wilderness Athletes hooked up a discount code for you listeners. It's elk-shaped 30. Save 30% off your first purchase. Sika Gear is giving away three 
core lightweight hoodies at every elk shape camp and i tell you what uh, I'm spoiled. Sicky Gear makes the best clothing systems on the market, unbiased. I'm just telling you, I'm not sponsored. I'm just telling you that's what I'll be wearing. Climate has an offer on their sleep systems. Elk Shape 20 save 20% off. I don't get a commission on that. That's just a hookup for you guys. Thank you, Climate. I appreciate that. Hamsky gave us a few rests to give away at each camp. Tight Spot gave away Tight Spot Quivers for every camp, as well as Black Gold. So thank you, guys. And then Lakewood Products, they make the double bow case. We're giving away a brand-new bow case in the Matthews VXR to the Lucky Elk Shape Camp winner. So they're hooking it up. They have a discount code if you're looking – if you're in the market for a bow case – Check out Lakewood products. Get the double bow case. Put two bows in it when you're traveling out of state. Have a backup bow. Use the discount code ELKSHAPE2020. Off Grid Food Co. has been hooking up all the campers, and I think their macronutrients are some of the best out there for freeze-dried backcountry fuel. Uh, if you don't make your own, buy Off Grid. I think they're one of the best, and they're out of Washington State, so i got to give them love. Uh, just today, I did a workout and used crossover symmetry for my shoulders. It really helps getting my scap muscles strong and jacked so that I can have a lot of kinesthetic awareness on my technique when I'm shooting a bow. That may sound funny, but the more I do crossover symmetry, the better I get at my archer, archery execution on my technique, keeping the shoulder blade down, keeping it pinned towards the spine and depressed. Black Ovis has a discount code, elk shape, get you 20% off anything on their store except for Sicky Gear. Uh, if you're going to buy Sicky Gear from Black Ovis, give them a phone call. Tell them you're an Elk Shape podcast listener, and they'll handle that for you. Northwest Retentions, I use the Scout. That's where I keep my pistol in underneath my bino harness. They have a discount code. It is Elk Shape, and you can get free shipping and handling. That's what I got. Let's get to Matt Kane, Hunt the Top. Appreciate you guys' support. Let's dive in. Welcome to the Elk Shape Podcast with me, Dan, the fitness man. Tonight, recording with a local guy. Well, not that local, but we are going Skype, but we are neighbors. He just lives in a better state than I do, and he's blue collar. He climbs up poles and is past the journey lineman phase, and he's killed a lot of bulls, but more importantly, he's a family man. He's a man of faith, and uh, he's here to talk to us tonight about all things elk hunting Mr. Matt Kane from Hunt the Top, how are you? I'm doing good, Dan. Here, I don't know if you guys can hear me. Uh, I'm going to do my best to uh, do this podcast with uh, this face mask here. You know, uh, you know, the virus <laughs> mutated, but uh, I don't want to expose your viewers. But uh, no, in all seriousness, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Um, you know, this world's definitely a crazy. It's turned into a crazy place, and. I know everybody listening probably are, has had their fill of the mask thing, but it's, it's just chaotic, but, uh, no, I'm happy to be happy to be on here. And yeah, I'm a, I'm a local guy. I'm born and raised, um, North Idaho, um, Idaho bred and, uh, tater fed some might say, but, uh, yeah, born and raised North Idaho. It's a great place. It's a beautiful place for, for those of you that have had a chance to come up to North Idaho. Um, very cool place. We got tons of mountains, uh, tons of lakes, tons of hunting and fishing. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty cool. Grew up, grew up hunting and fishing, um, my whole life. That's all I've ever known. It's kind of been a family tradition, but, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, pretty happy to be on here and, uh, have this opportunity for sure. Yeah, man. Well, let's dive in. So your day to day, let's, let's look into that lens and I got to get into pack goats, 
we got to talk about llamas. We got to talk about that evolution. I know you're new to the game, but we got to get into that. So that's where we're going. But first, man, what time do you wake up? What's your day in life uh, outside of hunting season? Yeah, an average day for me. So I, you know, I, I work. Uh, you kind of touched on of it, but I've always been a blue collar guy. Um, started started in the line industry. You know, it was kind of a, it was kind of a. It's it's in my family. My dad was a dream lineman. My uncles, my grandpa actually was a dream lineman, and I got multiple cousins in it now. So, I, I followed in the footsteps of uh, going into line work. You know, it's a great trade if you want to be a working man. Um, it's very very rewarding. Um, it's, it's very physical and you know, it, it compensates you pretty well for, for the blue collar working man. So I, I got into it uh, a little bit out of, out of high school and, uh, got on with an investor owned utility here in town and was blessed with an apprenticeship, uh, topped out. And, and I've been a journeyman lineman now for, for 10 years. And I'm actually currently working for a member owned utility, uh, here, here in town, it's over, over in Washington. So I, I don't have much of a drive, but, uh, I, I've been blessed there. There's, there's, a, an incredible uh, group of people there and, and something that I've, I've really enjoyed as far as the mem- being a, a member owned utility is you have that, you have that, that close relationship, you know, with the customers you serve. And, uh, it's, it's just been, it's been a blessing for sure. My, my days start, you know, pretty early, you know, I don't get up. I used to get up really early. Um, I used to work out before work and, uh, this, I, I got a new position two years ago, um, as a general foreman. So I'm still a ticketed journeyman lineman. Um, I can still crawl up a 45 foot pole if need be. But, uh, the last few years I've, I've kind of taken on and I'm, I'm overseeing, um, half of our operations, half of the line crews. So I'm, I'm managing the work plan and I have to, you know, try to organize the day you know, early in the mornings, I get up usually around 5 a.m. Uh, my day starts at 6:30. Uh, I'm blessed that we work. Uh, we get to work four tens, so I, I we put in long days. You know, Monday through Thursday, um, but blessed with a three-day weekend, which I, we used to work five eights at, at, at my old uh, old utility. I worked at, and and that was a grind. You know, I'd much rather I'd work twelves if they'd let me. Um, so put in long days at work, and then you come home and you know, time with the family. Um, I'm married, um, have two beautiful children, uh, two girls, eight and 10, eight and 10. And I have a beautiful wife, eight and 10. Yeah. yeah. So I, th- I think we're pretty similar, Dan. Yeah. No, you have a real job though. I don't. And, uh, yeah. Linemen are cool. Are you with Kootenai or Vista? I'm with Inland Power and Light. Inland. I, gosh, dang it. Yeah. I don't even, are, you're either Inland or Avista. I'm not sure where you're at, but I pay Avista all the money. The yeah, we're, we're, the of the, all the, the monies, the big, the big, the big bucks. Yeah. Yeah. No, I got buddies that are linemen and all of them. Uh, my brother-in-law's a lineman for a Vista. Uh, a good buddy, Hassel Dawson over in Coeur d'Alene with a Vista. You probably know him. Uh, Brian Reed. Oh yeah. Brian. Yeah. Brian, Brian's a, he's a friend. He's actually just down the block. I've hunted with Brian. He's a, he's a phenomenal sportsman. That, that guy, I'll tell you what, that guy, He's one of the best hunters I know. It seems like anything that guy sets his mind to, um, he does. I mean, he's conquered the elk game. He's conquered the deer game. Now the he's, sheep you know, game. He's, he's, he's into the sheep game, conquered that. He's working on his grand slam with a bow. I mean, it's just incredible what, what that guy does. But I know Brian very well. I know Hassel Dotson, uh, close friends with my dad. Hassel was kind of, uh, he, growing up, he was somebody 
that I was around all the time. He, he's he's like another another dad to me. So I know Hassel very well. Yeah, yeah. Those are all good people, and you know we're pretty lucky to live where we live. And there's some really good hunters out here. And so we're going to transition into hunting and and your llamas and stuff. But uh, or do you have goats or llamas? Yeah. So I'm a I'm a goat owner. So I'm goat I'm guy. in the infancy. Yeah, I'm a goat guy. I've used llamas. I've been around horses. Um, you know, goats are, they're all great. And, you know, I can't sit here and cause I haven't, I haven't seen the goat process through, but you know, the thing that I like so far about the goat game is, you know, goats are, they're like dogs, you know, they have so much personality. They're so loving. They're very loyal. Um, I've, I've been raising my goats, um, from youngsters, you know, from the kids and I did a ton of research. Now I, I need to say, when you start looking into, if you want to get stock, if you want to, you know, help yourself out in the backcountry, because you know, as well as I do, Dan, you know, as you're getting older, it starts to hurt a little bit more when you have to, when you have to pack animals out deep and you have to pack out more than, you know, multiple, if you're hunting with buddies and you, in uh, extended periods of time, we really started looking into, into getting something, um, I think, you know, back in 2017. So, um, I've started hunting with a, a couple really close friends, uh, Jake and Aaron, and, uh, we're doing a hunt the top thing, which we'll get into later, but we, we've always been archery guys. That's, that's my passion. Um, that's what I'm into. That's what I enjoy doing is hunting elk with a bow on public land, DIY backcountry, figuring it out and, and getting it done. Now in 2017, we, myself and Jake and Aaron, we, we put in for, um, a controlled rifle hunt just to try something different in a unit we knew nothing about just for the challenge on, Hey, let's just try something outside the box. That's totally different. And we ended up drawing, drawing tags. So it's big, deep country. Well, Jake calls me with the idea on, Hey, you know, there's this guy in Southern Idaho that has these, these llamas and we should, let's do it. And I like thought he was joking. I started laughing. I'm like, what llamas? Are you like I, at that time, this was kind of before like Bo Beatty and Treeline Pursuits and all these guys kind of blew up, you know, they, they were still known, but it wasn't, it's definitely the llama thing. The Patco thing now is, is really kind of caught everybody's attention. Like, Hey, there's, there's some phenomenal animals other than horses that, that do that, that are incredible pack animals. So long story short, we, we get these llamas and I called Bo Beatty and at, at the time I'm just thinking, Oh my gosh, I can't believe what are we doing? Like, you know, I knew nothing about them, but it was, it was an incredible experience. I mean, they, Bo dropped them off, Bo Beatty. He's a great guy. He's got a killer operation down there. And we, we ended up shooting three bulls. You know, we have a, we have a YouTube video about it and it's not great filming. I mean, this was before we decided to kind of up the game. We were filming with our cell phones and uh, Sony Handycam from, I think I bought in 2000. So <laughs> yep. we, we don't have a lot of great footage. It was a killer stage. I wish I could relive that hunt because it, it, we had the opportunity to really put together some epic footage, but we, we did, we got, you know, we got some footage, but the llamas were, they were, were incredible. You know, just having a pack animal in general, um, we didn't have them until I think we had nine days, we had eight days total, but we didn't get, because llamas, you know, we, we were on a budget and 
we didn't want to pay for the llamas from day one. So we went in on our backs, loaded up. It was kind of our first backcountry hunt together. And we, we, we weren't really backcountry guys before, you know, we, we would do maybe one or two day trips, but this was kind of our, our first run at really going in deep and seeing if we could, we could do it. And I tell you what, it was kind of a, we had stuff in garbage bags and tied to our pack and it was pretty comical, but we've really evolved uh, quickly with up in our game and gear. But the llama thing was cool. They came, I think Bo brought them in day three or four. I had already shot a bull. I shot a bull on, on the second day of the hunt. And, uh, I, I went back, we were seven or eight miles in, I got the llamas, no problems, packed the elk out in one trip. Mm, uh, nice. Jake ended up shooting a bull and Aaron ended up shooting a bull. We got three bulls out in six days and it was probably a total of, we were anywhere from seven to 10 miles in on, on depending on the bull. Well, actually Jake's bull wasn't that far. I, I, I don't, I shouldn't exaggerate on that, but it, it was more than we probably could have in all reality that we could have done, you know, in that few days, packing that many elk out on our backs. Now, Physically, we probably could have done it, but it would have been horrible. I mean, it, it's some of those units down there, you know, I, I'm North Idaho guy. They're brush choked mountains. You know, we have some tall peaks, but we don't get the 10,000 foot peaks like you do in central Idaho. And it's rocky and it's steep and it's unforgiving and uh, it'll flat wear you out. And the llamas were were, I was pleasantly surprised. It, it was a great experience, something I, I would definitely do again. I think llamas are, are an incredible pack animal. So everybody, you know, probably asking, so why goats, right? So why, why do you have goats then if you're talking these llamas are great? Well, llamas are very expensive to buy. I mean, if you want to buy a young llama that comes from a good line, it's just like anything. It's You can't just go get a random goat off Craigslist. You can't just go buy <laughs> yeah. a random al- alpaca or llama out of somebody, you know, some pasture and expect that it's going to perform. Um, so llamas are super expensive compared to goats. You know, so you're talking, you know, I, I think they're anywhere from four grand to five, six grand for one. And you start talking, well, I, I want to get three or four. That's a big chunk of money. The other piece of it is by when I was doing all this research was, and I talked to a lot of people in that field, um, you know, Ryan Avery's into it and I know Ryan pretty well. I've just got to know him a lot better recently. Mark Warnke is a, a great, um, he, he's a great, um, a great reference that that guy got into pack goats and he's became like this pack goat and like, uh, aficionado like he's the guru he owns packos.com but he is like super you can call that dude up and he'll tell you everything he knows and i started weighing out all these different options and i i kind of went all in on the pack the pack goat thing but there's there's a process and it's you know it's always a great idea it's like well, let's get horses or let's get llamas or let's get pack goats and think it's just it'll be easy you know you put them in a pasture and it's it's that's it. And the hunt season comes around and you throw them in the truck and, and you take them in and they pack your elk out and it's all groovy. But you know, it's Mark gave me the best advice. Don't do it unless you're going to be all in. It doesn't matter what, if it's pack, pack goats or llamas or horses, like you have to be committed. And the thing about the goats is the personality and the, the loyalty and the love when I, when I went, went around and kind of met people's goats that were raising pack goats. And it's like having a pack of, um, like labs or golden retrievers like these these guys have a have a bucket that has a hole in it like 
it never gets they can never have too much love to where like the llamas and i don't mean this like like in a mean spirit but llamas are kind of like social retards i mean it's there's no personality like they're sitting there looking at you and like wondering i'm sitting there wondering if they're going to spit on me at any moment like they don't give a there's no personality there's no like there's no like relationship there and you have to lead them around right and they they you pull them around and, and they'll lead fine but goats you don't lead them they follow you like a dog probably better than a dog i've been taking mine out uh three times a week um i've been running them three times a week and i, I hike my girls love to go out and we hike with them and that was kind of the other piece of it for my kids is this this gives them a great opportunity uh to to be around an animal um that's mellow um that's fun that has personality somebody that they can grow up with and maybe you know my my oldest daughter's 10 now she's really shown an interest in in getting into the outdoors and getting into hunting and you know my my dream would be to go on a, just a killer backcountry hunt with a goat that she's named and she's raised and to have that be part of the process um so that's something i'm looking forward to but you know when you when you get into thinking that you're going to get into pack goats and my my advice would be is don't just think you're going to get any goat and make it into a packer because what you're going to end up doing is investing a lot of time and money and they're not they don't have the gen, they don't have the genetics to ever get to the potential that you need them to be for that much commitment um you know, there's kind of an iconic breeder, Dwight Sharp, in the country, and he, he's, uh, you know, he I think he had some uh, medical issues and got rid of a lot of his stock, but he was kind of the, the iconic goat breeder. Like, if you got one of Dwight's goats, you know, these goats are proven um, to be 200 pounds plus, even all the way up to 300 pounds, and then you start talking, you get goats, you know, you get goats that weigh over 200 pounds, you get them up, you know, in a perfect world, I think like a 225 to 230, a lean machine. Um, that's like the perfect thing because a goat is pretty incredible. If, if you train them properly and condition them and you have the right ge genetics and the right goat confirmation, a goat can pack um, up to 30% of his body weight, sometimes pushing an envelope of 35% of his body weight. So I don't think you want to do that all the time. And, you know, 25% when a goat fully matures is, is like the sweet spot. But if you get in a bad place and you need to get everything out in one trip, if your goat's conditioned and he has a, you know, um, the right makeup, he can do that. And you start talking about, you know, a 200 pound goat that you start talking just a 200 pound goat, that's 60 to 70 pounds. If he's 225, you start getting up to where, you know, where llamas have the edge on goats in a couple areas is they can pack more weight. Um, and they have longer lifespans, but for the other reasons, you know, there's pros and cons and kind of compared to even horses. I've been around horses. I've rode with horses. I've packed out with horses and horses are great, but they're limited. And the cool thing about goats are a goat, you don't have to pack any food in with you. Um, they, they're similar to a camel to where they don't need as much water. So you can go up to, if you're hunting off your back and you want to sleep on the elk, and you're up at the top of a peak and the crick's in the bottom, well, the goat's probably going to be fine, especially if there's some kind of green forage. Right. Because they, they get a lot of their water through the green forage. Now, if it's a dry desert and there's nothing, you better, you better pack them water. 
but mm-hmm. horses are limited. There's pros and cons, but the pack goat thing has, it's been cool so far. I've really enjoyed it. I'm, I'm a little over a year in my goats are progressing, uh, very well, but you want to talk about, I know you say delayed gratification, Dan, but you know, when you, if you want to raise goats, right, which that's what I'm doing, it's a process. Cause if you get them as babies, which I did and, and the advice from Mark and, and a lot of the, the subject matter experts with pack goats is, you know, you bottle feed them when they're brand new, they're separated from their mom right after birth. Um, you feed them a bottle and they look at you as the, as an, as like the mom, mama goat. And you get this bond, they get this bond with humans to where they'll never leave your side. Like to them, it's, it's, it's on their heart. Like, you know, and I've seen it, I've done it. The goats I got, um, I, we bottle, we bottle fed them and it's, it's kind of a, it's a little bit of a, a pain, you know, at times, cause the first month you got to do it four times a day. The second month is three times a day. The next month is two times a day. Then one times a day. And then you can wean them off the milk. But it's cool when they bond with you that way because they actually start to look at you as like the alpha, the, the alpha of the pack because they're a herd animal. And goats are very tender. They're very sensitive. And there's this bond. And, you know, um, it's, it's pretty cool to see coming from I've never owned goats before, you know. I, 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 the little, the, the only thing I knew about ghosts was walking to school and somebody had some crazy Billy goat that was ramming the fence. And it's like scared the crap out of you, you know, or the Adam Sandler song that said, Hey, goat, you know, that's all I do about goats, but, uh, goats are cool animals. They really are. And if you, if you raise them right, I can see how it will be really cool and I'm hoping it pays off. But the, the get back to the delayed gratification, I'm kind of rambling here is, you're not going to really expect to pack to their potential until they're maybe three, but four, definitely. So four years old. So that is some, you talk about delayed gratification. There's a lot of work involved. It's not like a, a turnkey thing overnight, unless you get some adult pack goats from somebody that somebody else put a ton of time into, which are super hard to find because the only goats, you know, unless you get super lucky that people are willing to get away, away from that are packers are probably their, their rejects of the string or, you know, the demand is so high right now. You can't find adult pack goats anywhere. Really? And, uh, it, I mean, it's, there's so many people looking for them. It like, I, I looked and looked and looked and looked, and then I just ended up pulling the trigger on. It's like, you know what? I'll just, I'll just get some youngsters, raise them. And my, my boys are going to be a year and a half uh, this fall, and I got kid packs for them on order. They're going to be here soon. I've been conditioning them. They're not going to build a pack a whole lot this this first year, right? I mean, you're talking maybe in a couple maybe years, pounds. They're going to be good to go, and they're way less. Like llamas are thousands and thousands of dollars, man. That's right, and a goat, you know, it's hundreds, you know, like right? White, I know he, he, yeah, hundreds. He was, you know, getting like four fifty five hundred. The goats I have. Um, Two of them were picked out by Mark, and I got them, you know, on a great price, like three three fifty a piece. And I got a couple Oberhosleys uh, from uh, uh, Linda out in Moses Lake, and she, you know, a lot of these pack goats. So they're they're, you know, kind of started. It's a it's a young game. I mean, the first person I think that would use pack goats was in the nineteen seventies. But you know, a lot of these pack goats that people are using are from a dairy line, and and they're they're weathers, so they're they're a castrated male. Well castrated males usually get turned like or just weathers or any kind of dairy male 
gets usually gets turned into tacos. I mean, goat meat is consumed across the like the world more than any other like gate like stock there is. People eat more goat meat because goats can live in in a variety of uh, conditions. Environmental, they they need very little to live off of, and like worldwide, goat meat is highly sought after. So I guess if things get bad enough in the backcountry, I can have goat if things get that bad, but I don't ever plan on doing it. But, uh, yeah, so their, their weathers, um, they're minor from dairy breeds. I got two alpines and, and three Oberhosleys. I got five goats and, uh, castrated males and, uh, mine are fully horned. You know, I feel like that's the way God created them to be. Oh yeah. A lot of people disbud them because they're afraid of, uh, of a horned animal because you start talking about two or 200, 250 pound animal with horns that have horns, you know? Yeah. 20, 24 inches long, like a Boone and Crockett animal, that thing, if it wants to, can do a lot of damage. But uh, mine have shown little, hardly any aggression towards my kids uh, at all. The, the few times they have, you just, you do it, you do it delicately, but you uh, flip them, you stand over top of them, and uh, you put them in their place and just know that they're not the alpha. And then you love, love them like there's no, there's no tomorrow because goats are very sensitive. Like you never hit a goat. You never get mad with the goat. Um, you teach them a lesson, but it's usually with a squirt bottle. Uh, they don't forget. And I've noticed that and talking with the guys and I was warned, like, don't ever lose your temper. Don't get impatient. They're a very tender, um, sensitive animal, but they're super loving and loyal and they'll work their butt off for you. And, uh, so I'm there, there's a lot, there's a lot that goes into the whole pack goat thing. And it's, it's been, it's, it's been interesting. I've learned a lot, um, kind of the maintenance, you know, trimming their hooves, what shots they need. You know, there's, there's not, there's some maintenance, but if you stay on top of it, the feed's fairly inexpensive. There's kind of a regiment that you give them for their first year just to try to hopefully get the potential, uh, pounds on them. But, uh, yeah, uh, pack goats, definitely it's something I, I wouldn't uh, sleep on and I'll know more in a couple of years. You know, I might, you know, I might run into him and be like, that was the worst thing I've ever done, but they never work, but I'm, I'm confident it's proven. Uh, Mark's Mark's a proven, uh, pack goat guy and, uh, Ryan Avery has been doing it and they're actually renting theirs out. They're local guys up here. Well, Ryan Avery's not, he's well known. He, he's a part owners in Rockslide, but, uh, they're going to rent pack goats out and, uh, I think I think you're going to see pack goats are going to continue to go on the rise in popularity, and uh, because they're just so dynamic, they'll go anywhere. You can there's nothing a goat can't do. Like they'll it's just like a mountain goat. You know they'll scale rocks. It's like there's if you no matter where you want to hunt, that goat can follow you. If you can do it, guaranteed the goat can do it. So right, I'm excited. For, I'm excited for sure. That's pretty cool. I like the idea of pack goats over llamas. I've hung out with Mark Livesey, Treeline Pursuits llamas twice now, and they're weird. They're just weird animal, man. I don't dig it. And then you got my dad, who's like 64, and he basically got his wife and himself horses. She has a horse background, thank God. But here we are, fall of 2020, and old old Rod Staten wants to take his horse elk hunting, and we have two. We got two tags together, and he's like. I've basically, and my dad listens to this podcast, so sorry, dad, I'm not saying anything you haven't heard. I don't want to deal with the horses, dude, at all. Like, I don't want to watch horses. I don't want to hobble horses, highline horses. I don't want to find a corral for horses. I almost rather just pack the meat out on my back, or if it's really bad, hire a packer 
drop them a pin, send them a little Garmin inReach message, pay the 150 bucks a horse. Uh, but my dad, here we are, and my dad's bringing his horse. And uh, notice I said horse, not horses. I told him not to bring me a horse because I've hunted off horses. And uh, it's just not for me, dude. But uh, I, I think you're on to something for sure, Matt. And I think I'm going to be picking your brain because I have an acre and a half here in Spokane. And I got a lot of grass. So what do these goats eat, dude? So goats are – they're an what I've learned, you know, it's, they're an interesting animal as far as their diet. And it blows my mind. Like when we go on these, we go hiking and take them out, like just watching what they eat, you know, they're real similar to a, they're a browser. So they're not a grazer. Okay. They will eat grass, but they will eat pasture. I mean, if they, if they get hungry enough, a goat's going to eat anything. It's like, they literally will eat anything, but they love to browse similar to a mule deer. Okay. So, I mean, I've, I've watched them sit there and wrap their tongue around a, you know, uh, a strip of pine needles and just strip it clean, like, a you know, corn on the cob. They, they eat leaves, they eat bark, they eat trees. Like literally it's fascinating. They'll eat anything, but you know, I don't relate, rely. I, I, I don't have a whole, you know, ghosts don't need a big pasture. Now it's nice if you have a ton of property and they can, they can just free feed, but you need like for a goat to get what he needs for his diet you need a big pasture with a variety of things. Um, I supplement my goats. I, I feed them a, a, a really good grass hay, okay. like an orchard grass. And I also give them, they need alfalfa. They need the protein content. Um, I transitioned mine the first year, <clears throat> like to white sharps feeding regiment was you free feed them. Like, like pretty much some people go 50, 50 for grass, hay, alfalfa. Some, People say, well, it's all alfalfa, free feed as much as they want to eat and free feed. There's this goat, goat grower grain, like Prina makes it, and it's what people use for meat goats. It's how you put like put on the pounds. Right, that makes sense. The, the, the risk is if you feed them grain past that, you know, weathers um, can get this. It's called urinary calculi, and it's a, the grain will turn into like a stone and block, like block their urinary tracked and they'll die from it so you have to really watch it so i once you get past that year and you don't have to do the goat grower grain but it's just going to help them put on more pounds to hopefully get to their potential um but yeah they'll eat they're 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 really not that hard to to keep fed you know they don't eat anywhere like a horse or or like a even like a llama i mean you're talking about maybe a flake or two a day of the grass hay i actually transitioned from alfalfa hay to alfalfa pellets that I get from a local place well actually up at Sandpoint because alfalfa hay you know goats don't like the the stemmy they're real picky eaters they like the leaf the leafy part of it they'll, they'll eat bladed grass but uh but that's how I feed them here and uh but hiking and stuff and you talk to some of these other guys nobody packs food they'll they'll find they're a very very intelligent browser they know what they need they will find it. They will. They will eat and sustain. They might lose some weight, like on an extreme backcountry hunt, but uh, they can make up for it. But it's kind of nice. You don't have to pack food. You don't really have to pack water. Um, you know. But uh, yeah, I think you know you have more, way way more than enough place to get get some goats. I, I have goats on probably about fenced in, not even maybe about a half of an acre, and I have five goats, and it's it's more than enough. I mean, they don't even keep it. They don't even keep it eight down, and then they won't because 
they, they're more of a browser and uh, they won't keep it chewed down. They will if they're hungry enough. If they're starving to death, like, you know, people bring in goats into people will pay people with goats to knock down like this level, a bunch of weeds and goats will do that, but they're, they're hungry. Like they'll eat anything. So it's effective, but you don't want to treat your pack goats that way because they're going to be malnourished. They're not going to get the, they're never going to turn into what you want them to be. And they might have complications down the road where their pastures start breaking down and you're going to have foot issues and, and what have you. So I, I definitely won't, won't treat my goats that way, but, uh, yeah, they're very interesting. They're a browser and, uh, it's uh, pretty interesting what they eat for sure. Oh, no, I love it, man. So recap for listeners, like the short end of these, these animals are extremely sure-footed. They'll eat anything, but not really like their browsers. They'll eat anything, but most importantly, their minimal water requirement in comparison to stock, other stock. And, and honestly, you said the pack weight, like a 50 pound rule or 25%. I had no idea they got over 200 pounds in body weight. That's awesome. And at the end of the day, they're way more affordable. So you just got to be okay with delayed gratification, which I think listeners here are. So you watch out, Matt. I think that's going to be a growing trend. Let's move on to North Idaho. So that's where I learned how to elk hunt. That's where I got my teeth kicked in. North Idaho is the reason for this podcast. We wanted to come up with something to help people get through the learning curve. I've said it before. I get in trouble when I say it, but you kill a bull in North Idaho, you can kill a bull just about anywhere else. Uh, I can't say anything about rosies because I haven't hunted rosies, but I ain't afraid of wet brush at all. But North Idaho was the school of hard knocks for me. Yeah, I, I've really felt like it made me a little bit more well-rounded of an elk hunter fighting the brush, fighting the steeps, and uh, learning elk and learning how they behave. Let's hear your North Idaho history, like just getting into it. We both talked about this before we started recording. I don't think either one of us are hunting North Idaho this year. And I'll be honest, my good friend Dirk Durham isn't either. And when anytime him and I get together, man, we that's all we talk about is brush bolts. We don't even talk about the cool stuff, like where we go other places. Something about the brush bulls, the jungle bulls. What is it, Matt? I don't know. I, I, I love it. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, it's all I've ever known you know, up until just the last few years, because I, this is what I was born, born into, you know, like I, I kind of touched on before <clears throat> I was born into, to a hunting family is family tradition. You know, my, my grandpa, you know, his, his granddad, it, that was more of a means of just, uh, surviving, but I grew up in a hunting, hunting family and, you know, it's a, it's a cool place. I, I'm really enjoying kind of getting out and experiencing other things, but as I do, uh, North Idaho offers, you know, offers some incredible hunting. It is hard. I mean, it is super thick, but if that's all you ever known until you go other places, it's like, it's like eye opening. It's like, what I can, I can see the elk. Like if, if I'm not within 20 yards of them, I could see him. Like <laughs> I'm not used to that. I'm not a, like, I'm not a spot and stop guy. I never will be because it's not what I love to do. I love to get in close and bugle with bulls. I mean, that's what I grew up doing. And uh, I guess a little bit history for me, um, I, you know, I didn't really get into archery elk hunting until after high school. And, you know, my, my dad and my uncles and, and they all, they all did it. And I'd go with them once in a while, help them pack something out. But, you know, I was super busy with sports and football in the fall and just kind of consumed, you know, I, I hunted deer you know, at a young age, starting at 10 years old and always went deer hunting. It was a kind of an, always a thing we did and, you know, harvested a lot of deer, but, uh, you know, I shot one elk when I think I was 16 with a rifle at 12 yards that my dad Cal called in a, a young bull 
And other than that, I, I, I didn't really bow hunt, um, at all until after high school. Well, after high school, you know, I, I started to get into it and just listening to my dad and, you know, I, I learned a lot from him and my uncle and on how to hunt elk. And, uh, you know, that was kind of back the, I really feel like North Idaho in the glory days, you know, the, <clears throat> I think if hunting like in the nineties and the early two thousands, uh, seems like it was like incredible. And I, I kind of got in, I feel like towards like the, the end of the curve on like the peak, there's still elk here and you can kill elk and have, have great hunts. But I, I did get a taste of, of some phenomenal elk hunting, some phenomenal calling, just being up close with elk on a daily, almost a daily basis. Now you have, you always have your lulls, but grew up hunting the brush, uh, learning how to kill bulls in the brush and swirling winds. You know, you're not in big, like, you can get in the big Canyon County country, but it seems like the wind is always shifting. Uh, that, you know, there's more and more guys, the guys are, you know, the elk become very call shy. Um, but yeah, just grew up doing it, you know, and, and I was blessed. I, you know, probably because of what I learned, um, from my dad and others, but you know, I was blessed with, uh, my first nine years, I, I filled my tag archery elk hunting and I, I'm, it's just like, it's, it was just partially, I mean, I, it, it, it seemed like well, my dad and uncles and stuff were always killing elk. And it's like, I just kind of hit the scene and, you know, started killing elk with a bow. And it was just phenomenal. I screwed up way more opportunities than, <clears throat> than I uh, was successful on. But uh, I had a lot of success early and it just, I mean, it just hooked me. But I had to, it's not like it came easy. See, that's the thing where I, and a lot of my friends and stuff, who's tried getting into it. I just don't think they, their commitment level wasn't near as high as, uh, as mine was. Um, because, and you know, as well as I do, Dan, it's like, how bad do you want it? You know, hunting's not easy. Like it's easy to watch these YouTube videos. And back then there wasn't YouTube, you know, you're watching Will Primo's in Colorado or you're watching Glenn Berry, you know, on a uh, hot bowls DVD. And, you know, even like the little primo, like the primos guys, you know, calling an elk, it looks super easy. They're calling these elk in. It's like, it looks like parked out timber. And I, and I love the primos videos. It, and it's something I always look forward to. And we'll always had a deep appreciation for uh, God's creation and this beautiful country we get to call home, but it's not easy. And a lot of people just give up easy. They're not, you know, there's, there's a few aspects on being successful and you have to be physical. It's a, it's a physical game but it's a mental game. It's just as much mental as it is physical. And like, there was times to where it was a grind to fill my tag, but I filled it. And it's like, I think I got the best advice is, you know, like you can't kill elk from the couch and it's, it's tempting when it's hot and it's slow and, and to be like, ah, let's just go back and let's go take a break or let's just call it a day. And it's like, I was, I just, I just had this, I just had this passion to, keep at it. And, um, I killed more elk probably I've killed more elk in the middle of the day than I have any other time. Mm -hmm. And it was more just, uh, just sticking to the playbook, you know, just, and I, I kind of grew up and I was taught like a run and gun, you know, pretty aggressive caller, probably overly aggressive. I've learned to not necessarily dial it back, but to not be so in your face all the time. Um, but that's, I, I really enjoy calling elk, you know, that's how I like to, I like to call elk in, you know, it doesn't really interest me to spot stock. Like 
you, you might be able to kill a big elk and be successful, but it's just not how I want to do it. Like I enjoy calling elk in close and, you know, for all the elk I killed in North Idaho, um, I don't think I, sh- I think I had like maybe a 25 yard shot was the farthest shot I took. So it's up close and personal, which, you know, and when they, when you're getting that close, when you can outsmart a bull, you know, in his backyard at his game in the brush, it's pretty gratifying. And it's, it's really gratifying <clears throat> when you do it solo. And I, I enjoy hunting with, you know, uh, I, I enjoyed, you know, hunting growing up, you know, with my dad and, and some other friends, but I killed half of those elk. I think I started out, you know, nine for nine and like 13 to 14. I, and I say that humbly, I'm, I'm not a numbers guy. I never have been, but I had a lot of success, but half those elk, you know, starting out, I did solo. So I learned a lot of my, like a, a lot of my own, I kind of learned my own style. Um, and it's pretty gratifying when you go out there, you know, and sometimes it feels like against all odds, you know, and you go out there and, and you find a way and, and you're packing elk out, you know, it's, it's hard work, you know, the passion, the passion has to outweigh the pain. And some of the things like I, I'm kind of weird. Like I like actually enjoy packing elk out, even though sometimes, and sometimes it can feel like this is, this is horrible, right? This is a lot of work, but man, I, there's just something about it. It's like, so like rewarding because in the back of your mind, you're thinking, you know, a lot of people aren't, they don't want it that much or they're just not willing to do it. And it's when it all comes together, it's so gratifying, even if it hurts, you know, it's, there's something about it. I just, uh, it's just something that's in my blood and, and it probably always will be, but, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it's a pretty cool thing when it all, when all the stars align and really, you know, kind of where I've, I've kind of transitioned a little bit on, you know, when I got into it and when you're a younger guy and, you know, you just, it's, you're kind of competitive and you're kind of, you know, it's all about the kill. It's like, I, I need to kill something. Like I'm on a mission, right? I want to kill an elk. You know, that's what I'm here to do because I grew up eating elk meat. That's all, that's all we ever ate. You know, very rarely do I, I have beef, you know, you go out to dinner, you order a burger or whatever, but you know, you, you live on elk meat. It's, it's amazing. The, some of the best organic protein on this earth. And, uh, first and foremost, I'm there to fill the freezer, which I still am. But I guess where I've kind of transitioned is I, I really have learned to appreciate the process, like taking it all in. Like we, we, it's a phenomenal thing that we get to do. We're blessed. There's tons of public land around a lot of us who live in the West or if you travel here, but we have access to tons and tons of public land and it is a blessing and to go out in, in God's creation and to just, in, just have the opportunity. And it's like the moments that I almost enjoy more are like sleeping in the backcountry with some really good friends over a campfire, you know, obviously filling your tag is part of it and bugling elk. You can't hardly beat that, the adrenaline rush, but just truly taking the time to appreciate the process. It's uh, it makes it so much more enjoyable instead of getting like, I used to get like almost so like, focused on trying to fill my tag that I, I missed, Mm. I missed some of those, I missed some of those moments, those special moments that like, just take the time to take it all in. But yeah, to be successful elk hunting, you have to have grit. You have to have enough passion to outweigh the pain and just stay at it. And you're not going to fill your tag every year, but, um, you know, it's like one of those things, just keep at it. And if it takes you five years and it takes you 10 years and it takes you 12 years, whatever, 
eventually if you work at it hard enough, you're going to find success. So just seeing it through. Yeah, dude, I think you hit it out of the park. You kind of covered, like you got my whole podcast covered. Thanks, man. Uh, I like, I like what, I like it. Sometimes I get, I get the rambling and I'm, uh, yeah, I, I don't, but, uh, yeah. Well, you're fired up, man. You're, you're, you're fired up about this stuff and that's why I wanted you on here. Okay. I know there's two things I, I, I desperately want to talk to you about and, the last one being hunt the top and your learning curve on filming hunts, your vision for where you're going. I haven't seen a lot of your stuff, but you've put out some cool content on Instagram and it looks like you guys are just, just get after it kind of guys. And so I'm, I want to, I'm stoked to hear about where that's going, what you want to do with it. Cause you guys have some talent for sure. But before we do that, we got to talk about your team, your hunting partners, your partnerships, what's the fastest way to get fired from being a hunting partner? Um, for example, if you were to hunt with me, you know, you would definitely, let's just say like, it would be a trial thing. Like you have to test it out. Right. And nobody's going to not invite a guy who shows up overprepared, has, made extra food, is willing to do cook food, do dishes, do chores, uh, has tools to fix things when they go wrong. They're Johnny on the spot. Just, you know what I mean? Like a hard worker. It's, it's, it's the fastest way. So if you guys are listening, you're new, or maybe you're invited to somebody's hunting camp, make them invite you back. That's your goal. And how you do that is you just bust your hump. But, uh, there's a bunch of more nuances I want you to cover, Matt, when it comes to finding a hunting partner that's going to last it's almost i've heard somebody say that it's actually harder to find a good hunting partner than it is a spouse i don't know if i would take it that far but it is definitely difficult hence i hunt solo most of the time and when i'm not hunting solo i'm with my old man and i just love him to death that's why but yeah tell us about your deal yeah so i i I definitely couldn't agree with you more i mean finding finding a hunting partner is extremely hard. And, uh, you know, that's, that's why growing up and, and when I was a, a young adult, you know, hunting, I, I, same way, I either hunted with my dad or I hunted solo and I tried hunting with a few guys and it just never, it never worked out. You know, people, unfortunately, a lot of people just, you know, they're either not as committed, um, number one, which is huge. I mean, if you're not as committed, then it's never going to work. Or in moments, you know, they might get, they might be selfish. It might be all about them. You know, it's really, it's really a, a, a partnership. And if you're going to hunt with somebody, they better be like just as excited if you shoot one than if you do. And, and I, that's something that I've, that's very special with, uh, with, uh, Jake and Aaron is it's a true team sport. And, and then you start getting into trying to, somebody's trying to film. Well, that's a huge sacrifice. Who's running the camera? Well, who's shooting? Who's calling? You know, you have to, you have to be unselfish and you have to sacrifice if you're, if you're really, if it's ever going to work. And it was just something that was really hard, hard for me to find. And, you know, for guys that have jobs, um, blue collar guys, which myself, Jake and Aaron do, you're talking about a limited, a limited amount of time to, to hunt and, you know, maybe two weeks off a year three, if you're lucky, but you, you have family time, you have family vacations and all those things, all those things need to be, um, uh, at the right, uh, priority level, you know, definitely for, for us, you know, and that's where we're, we're brothers in Christ. 
we're husbands, we're fathers, we're, we're all three patriots. We love this country. We really do. And then everything else comes after that. So if you're talking about, you know, I think all of us, we've never taken more than a week off and we truly are like, we get a week maybe, but we are weekend warrior guys. So you have to make your time count. And the last thing you want to do is to be babysitting or putting up with drama or putting up with somebody who's not prepared. So we have something special uh, between myself, Jake and Aaron, and it's, it's really hard to find. And, and I just, you know, those days off in the woods, trying to enjoy it are precious. It's, it's pure gold and you, you just have to, you don't want to waste it. So I, I couldn't agree with you more. And it's just, it's really important before, you know, for the people listening, before you just decide to, you know, become hunting buddies. And maybe that's, maybe you just don't really care and you're super easy going and, and that's fine. And, and maybe you're doing it for other reasons, but if you're going to be serious about it, you better, you better have a, 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 a man to man talk like, Hey, where are you at? You know, where are we at? Or, and make sure that you guys are kind of on the same page because I guarantee you, you're going to get back there and something's going to happen or you're not, and it's not going to work and it's going to turn into, it would be better if you never went in the backcountry together because it might ruin a friendship. And that's just in all honesty. Um, so yeah, so hunt the top. Um, it was always kind of a, like a motto or something I even maybe joked around about when I was hunting by my, you know, myself or with my family when I was younger, you know, it's like the, this, the whole mentality of like, I was willing or myself, Jake and Aaron, we're willing to go to the top if that, that that's what it takes. Now, sometimes you can drive to the top and you got to drop, drop into some nasty hole. The, the idea of it is like, we're willing to do what it takes. And, and also, I mean, some of the, most beautiful areas are these high mountain, you know, valleys and, uh, basins and it's incredible views. So there's that piece of it too, but it's more of a mentality of we're willing to do what it takes. And if it means going, going to the top, then that's what we're going to do. And you know, some of the areas that we've started to hunt, uh, down in central Idaho, you're talking about your trucks at 6,000 feet, the peaks are at 10,000 feet and, um, it's a long ways to the top and depending on where you end up going, uh, sometimes for us, it's 10 miles in 4,000 feet elevation gain. And mm. that's, you start getting, that's pretty, that gets pretty extreme. And I'm not exaggerating. You know, I don't think you always have to go, obviously you're walking, some guys will be like, well, you're walking by elk. Well, sometimes to get back when you're in a lull, you have to go, you keep going and going and going and until you find one. And, um, I, you know, one of the most memorable hunts, you know, me, myself, Jake and Aaron, we, we really started, uh, we haven't been hunting together super long back in 2016. I went on a few hunts with those guys and kind of like what you said, Dan, it's kind of like a, you're kind of feeling out the water, the water's right. What, what are these guys like? What are, I know these guys on, on a friend level, we can go down and, you know, have a couple beers or, you know, the, go out to dinner or whatever, but you know, how's this going to be? And it's kind of like, you're kind of, kind of feeling them out. And, uh, Aaron had actually stuck a, a beautiful bull, um, uh, in North Idaho, like close to 350. just to, you know, that's, that's about, you know, you start getting up there in North Idaho. That's just a, that's a, just a top notch, a high, a top caliber bull. And, um, I went back up there with him and, and, uh, we hunted and, uh, we ended up, uh, harvesting a, a smaller bull, like a four or five point raghorn with, with, with the bow. But that's kind of where it started for us. And we started talking about, Hey, um, maybe we should, let's try, let's try this backcountry hunting. You know, at that time we were kind of, we had base camps and stuff and you go on for like one, one day hunts, go back to camp. 
do it all over again. But it just really intrigued us to to truly hunt off hunt off your back and just sleep back in there. Sleep on the elk wherever you find them. You get up the next morning, you're on them. And we just kind of started talking about it. And we, you know, we're new. We're pretty new to the whole media game. You know, we're not we're not really. I was never a social media guy, but we're on it now. I mean, we're on Instagram and YouTube and stuff, and we're trying to share our content, but we're doing what we like to do. We're, we're not out to impress anybody. We, we've, we all know how to kill, you know, public land, backcountry guys. We've been, we've been doing it for years and we just want to do what we like to do. And, you know, it kind of started out like we, we were wanting a video and stuff just to show our friends and family, you know, kind of our adventures. And for us, I mean, yes, when you, when you, when you video your footage, it's like, sometimes it's really, it's really cool to just relive, like relive that moment. You can remember it, but when you see it, it is, it is, it is pretty cool. And then, and showing, you know, coming home and showing the kids or showing your wives or, you know, family, they kind of, they enjoy it because, you know, as well as I do, Dan, trying to explain to somebody what it's like out there, you, words don't do it justice, you know? And so we're, we're learning, um, you know, we're, we're kind of learning how to do that. We're not gurus by any means in social media. And I still don't really understand a lot of that stuff, but, uh, trying to, trying to put some footage together, um, that other people enjoy. And I guess for me, you know, it's, it's kind of funny before me and Jake, like talked about this, like we became friends back in 2003, 2004, uh, sh- shortly after high school. And we actually talked about, cause I've always had a, there's something about it. Like I, I have footage from by myself with like old school video equipment from the, you know, the nineties <laughs> and before cell phones and stuff. And I always had like, I always wanted to capture the footage because I just thought it was cool like, yes. to try to relive it. And whether it was, you know, there's no video, it was literally just like some audio of a bull bugle and that I bugled with. And I could like tell, Hey, this is the bull, you know, listen to him. He's, he's got that nasty growl. You know, I want that bull. And, uh, it was kind of perfect because not to go off topic, but back before, you know, Phelps really blew up, I tried some of his calls and he, he, I, he, I think he still has it, but he had a read called the dragon slayer. Oh yeah, that's not too dude. That's like seven years ago. That's not that long ago. Okay, I don't know. It feels like quite a while ago, but it was before. Phelps is huge now, right? But he he wasn't that yeah as big true. back then. True. Like I think I ordered some reads from him, and they came in a, a Ziploc bag, you know, in an envelope. It was love it. It was perfect, but but anyway, trying to describe, you know, I had this bull, and I, he was kind of I called him, you know, kind of referred to him as a dragon, and uh, lo and behold, I ended up taking them out with the dragon slayer so it was pretty cool but very cool you know, man. just trying to trying to uh you know it it was always kind of trying to capture it, i guess and, and me and jake talked about it like in the early 2000s and we just it's one of those things talk is talk and we didn't see it through and we got busy with life and jobs and families and and uh you know i, I kind of part of me kind of like wonders like man if we would have really made that an effort you know you know you probably would have got a lot of traction because we're kind of late to the game but yeah, we're, we're into it. And if people like what we do, they like, and if they don't, they don't. But, uh, the biggest thing for us is, uh, you know, we've always kind of been back, you know, well, hunt the top films and we kind of had a backcountry creed thing that we tried for a while, but there's so many backcountry somethings. It's like, man, we need to, let's go. I want to go back to hunt the top. It's kind of more original. It's more what we're about. I like the backcountry creed thing because the creed to me, um, you know, it's, Creed is like a set of beliefs that like 
guides you, like what guides your actions. And, you know, a big thing for us is we're, we're very strong in our faith. Um, um, we're committed to one another. We love the backcountry. We've, we've grown to love it. We love elk hunting. So, you know, what, it was, it's pretty emotional for me. Our, what, what's our creed? Because it's, it's so, it's so close to my heart, but that's kind of how we started. And, and we're, yeah, we're hunt the top and, um, that's where we're at. Well, it's pretty cool. What's the, what's both of the, your hunting partners, full name, what's Jake's last name? And is it Aaron? Uh, so Jake Lenz, uh, Jake Lenz and Aaron Bly. Aaron Bly. I haven't met any of you guys yet but i hope to man you guys sound like my kind of people just just hard working love elk hunting love jesus love your family i mean this is you're the kind of people i I dig man yeah for sure yep yeah they're great great guys and it's a partnership uh um hunt the top it's it's all three of us um i kind of manage you know the social media piece and trying to edit you know and that's a whole other thing is when these guys that and you, you have really stepped your game up, Dan. Uh, I, have always enjoyed your footage, but really trying, you know, there's so much gear and how do you tell a story and, you know, how do you get people, you know, why are, why do people like watching certain people? And for me, I guess is it's, if I am, if I can relate to it, is it relatable, you know? And like some of the guys that first started, like the born and raised guys and stuff, like I thought their stuff was killer because i thought it's just relatable it's some dudes in oregon in the brush hunting roosevelt's like running and gunning like it's what you relate to and uh that's that's kind of where we're at just trying to document what we're doing you know trying to tell a story we're learning because literally like i said we're self-taught i mean i watch youtube videos or buy some gear um and just trying to you know figure it figure it all out and and at the same time trying to just not get so caught up in in filming or trying to document something where you just, you're not enjoying it to, to the way that it deserves. Yeah. That's, well, that's kind of why, I mean, it took us a while to get, to get our schedules lined up. We're both super busy, but man, I got lots of love for all you North Idaho elk hunters out there. I have a special place in my heart for North Idaho just because of the country, um, the terrain, and it's what I know, like you, it's, it's all I've never known. And for the most part, North Idaho people are pretty cool for the most part, man. Like I'm a Washington resident, my Washington plates, my Washington plates have been at your doorstep for 20 years and I haven't had too many issues with that. Everyone's been pretty cool. And those public lands we're fortunate. A lot of it is public or access. Yes. Type public where it's private timber company, but we're not in a position like Western Washington where they take advantage and they charge you ridiculous amounts of fees and they sell you a walk-in fee or they sell you a drive-in pass and it's a special place. It takes a different style of elk hunter. It has changed. It probably won't ever be the same, but it will always be special to me and uh, especially the people that I've met in those mountains. I just can't believe we haven't crossed paths before, but it is big country, man. Yeah, it, it is and it isn't. Yeah, it's uh, we'll definitely have to get together and shoot bows or or whatnot. It, um, but uh, yeah. Well, speaking of which, I'm gonna go do some range time. I haven't done a darn thing today to make myself better at elk hunting, uh, besides make videos and edit podcasts and record podcasts. But you know what I'm trying to do, Matt? Is 
I'm trying to get content scheduled out in advance so I can check out and uh, focus on elk hunting. When are you going elk hunting this year? We're going to obviously, you know, try to fit in when we can in, in September. We're going to hunt Idaho um, archery and uh Myself and Aaron have Montana tags, so our, our season starts um, if if we're going to go in Idaho, where we're thinking uh, that the first weekend, Labor Day weekend, and we'll probably hit a few weekends, maybe go over to Montana for a weekend, and maybe use our week in Idaho. We haven't decided yet, but it's it's around the corner. I mean, like you said, it's 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 knocking on the door, so it's uh it's time to start thinking about that, and and uh, get ready for season. So. God willing, we'll have, you know, have some success and, um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's right there. We're right there. Well, that's cool, man. Um, where can people find hunt the top? Give us all the plugs right now. And, and I'll include links in the show notes for those that actually check that out, but I don't think very many people do. Right. So, yeah. So hunt the top, we're on Instagram at hunt the top. Um, we're on YouTube. Uh, we're not really doing the Facebook thing. Um, seems like Facebook's kind of been dated. And, uh, so those are, our our two biggest things. Um, Instagram, YouTube, and, uh, I don't even, I were, I started a TikTok account and honestly it goes against every great, like grain of my body because I, I'm not into the TikTok like dance, like that's not us. That's not me. Um, it's been interesting that the audience is pretty young. The audience is pretty immature. But we had one of our videos actually, it went viral. It got like almost 11 million views on there. So we're, we're on there as well. What video was that? It, it honestly was like nothing special. It was like calling in a, a bull in North Idaho, a five-point bull, you know, in the bull range. But TikTok, you know, is pretty liberal. You can't show any any harm to animals or they'll take your videos off. So I, I don't know how I really feel about, you know, I've had a lot of, I've had a lot of, uh, what is it? Community guide, guideline violations by little videos that I put on there, you know, cause I'm not like a in your face kill for the thrill kind of guy. We respect the game. We pursue, we respect the game. We hunt. It's, it's how we feed our families. I mean, we have a God given right to provide for our families and to have dominion over animals. And, um, so, you know, when people start paying it as a, like a hateful thing, it's just so far outside the box, but, uh, yeah, we're so we're on there too, but you know, it's kind of funny. I was I was looking at a meme the other day and it was like it was some dude like on his back with his feet up with a like pink panties around his ankles and it says guys that do TikToks and I'm like, What the hell? What have I done? You know? I think there's like tons mil, like millions of those views came from like overseas, you know, there's a, a big I guess maybe you could say we have a big following in India and Malaysia and stuff. So whatever <laughs> that's worth. I, I don't I, 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 yeah, buddy. No, numbers don't lie. That's funny. Number, numbers don't lie. So we're we're new to the game. We're gonna try to put out some content this fall. So you guys check it out, and if you if you like what you see, you know, um, subscribe if you want. If not, it's it's all good. It's a hobby to us. We're gonna keep doing what we do. And uh, yeah, I just want to reiterate, Dan. I just appreciate the opportunity. Um, I, I don't take it lightly, and I love what you're doing. I hope I hope you're blessed and. And God blesses what you got going on. It's a, it's a cool thing. And I just want to reiterate, you know, everybody listening to kind of the touch, what I hit on before, but to really, when you get out there, just appreciate the process. You know, for me, like when, when I became, you know, a, a Christian or whatever, and 
before that, I just got caught, so caught up in the moment. And, you know, when you start, I think, you know, Solomon said, you know, this life isn't all you have to live for. When you're living for this life, you know, you're going to get let down when you're just riding that roller coaster ride. But when you truly, when you truly realize there's more to life than this life and you just enjoying it, that's when you start living it and just don't take it for granted. Just appreciate the process, enjoy the process, take in the scenery, take in the time with your friends or family and just enjoy it because that's what, you know, that's the things that really matter. And, uh, that's, I just want to reiterate that and, uh, just wish everybody good luck and, and, uh, God bless. Well, that's, we're going to end it there. That was well said guys, Matt Kane and his squad hunt the top North Idaho brethren. Uh, check them out. Thanks for listening. We talked about pack goats. We talked about hunting partners. We talked about elk hunting. It was a good episode and we will catch you on the next one. Well, guys, I hope you dug that episode. Matt Kane is a solid dude. I like what he said at the very end there. I think that's good for all of us to hear, myself included. So uh, with a season probably in less than three to four weeks out, this is where you're fine-tuning everything, testing everything, thinking of everything that can and will go wrong and mitigating that separations in the preparation when it comes to mindset, it comes to fitness, it comes to your equipment, your gear, your preparation, and your hunt plans. It's time. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Good luck to you all and we'll catch you next week. 